The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne and John Sestina. Good afternoon, guys. Hello, hello. How's it going? Oh, that's not a fair question. Come on. <laughs> you trying to get me started right off the bat? Yeah. Hopefully you're feeling well. But today's show we're going to we're going to have a, a unique uh, topic. We're going to talk about uh, Warren Buffett's 10 Warren Buffett's 10 rules. Um, we're going to get into this a little bit after our first conversation, but I was in uh, Jimmy John's restaurant ordering a nice sandwich. Uh, really nice. I look on the wall and I see a placard that has Warren Buffett's 10 rules. And I know we talked about this a few years ago, but I said, they'd be a good topic of conversation to talk about on the radio show, because as I read through them, a lot of them are the foundation and principles of what managing to be wealthy is. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of symmetry there. So I thought that would be a good discussion. Uh, but before we go there, uh, last week, I had the pleasure of being in Scottsdale, Arizona, it did rain while I was there. Oh, they had a monsoon. Yeah, it rained for about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they, called, they literally called it a monsoon. Uh, it was, I would, so, I considered it just a rain for about 20 minutes. But nonetheless, uh, one of the keynote speakers was Jeremy Siegel, Dr. Jeremy Siegel from University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. Uh, very, very good uh, economist. He's a lot on CNBC. Very bullish historically with the stock market. And he had a lot of interesting things to say, um, primarily when it comes to inflation. That was really the topic of his uh, discussion was inflation, inflation, inflation. What I found very interesting was he says, this is going to, this is going to be a three to five year event. This is not going to be a one year event. What but is the inflation? Inflation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, John, you, you said this months ago, last year, even that this, we're approaching the late seventies, early eighties, mm -hmm. heavy inflation. Mm -hmm. So let's rewind back to the calendar. What, what goes on in those events with times? Well, it also was about a five-year program where we went into this heavy inflation. What happened was that uh, jobs were rare and in incomes didn't go up because inflation kept them down, but you could buy a bond and make 15% and it was not even callable. Wow. So that was really exciting stuff. And the stock market kind of struggled, but the bond market out uh, outdid the stock market big time. Tony, you're buying bonds at 15% these days? Not anywhere <laughs> close to that. We're um, getting there. We'll get there. <laughs> we will, though. I mean, that's the way the market's cyclical, and that's the in interesting part of this, though, uh, especially talking to some younger people where if you think about the last 20 years, what have interest rates been over that span been next to nothing right so the idea of them doubling well that sounds astronomical oh my gosh they're doubling that's exponential let's be worried but really we've gone 20 years at a flat flat pace 
So again, this is part of the unevenness sometimes of government interference, I'll say, but it seems to be coming a lot at once instead of slowly. And that's that's interesting to me as we look at this, Stephen. You yeah. know what else is interesting? And since it's 20 years, we would be remiss by not mentioning it. 20 years ago was a big day. The big day. That was a and, life-changing day. Oh, it was. And I still remember where I was and turned on the TV and saw that first plane hit there. And I thought, what was that? And client walked into my office at that time and we both watched as the second plane hit and the world has not been the same since sure has not and I, i'll never forget looking out the window at my office in washington dc and seeing the smoke from the pentagon i live two miles from the pentagon and a uh, very eerie day because going home that afternoon around three o'clock in the afternoon I never flew through Washington, D.C. so fast in my life because there was no one on the road. Right. The roads were empty. There were uh, military vehicles parked on the corners. Very, very weird. And what I, I want to say fear was setting in because the first time in my life it was it was uncertainty. So I thought about my grandparents in Europe during war. And uh, the next morning as I'm going to work, there's somebody on the foot of a bridge, uh, one of the bridges going into D.C., huge flag waving a huge oh, u.s wow. flag and i was like all right there it is right that's the that's the country i love so that was a big day for me and uh yeah it's gonna be interesting the last 20 years has been a big change you bet they hit us with our, our pants down you bet they we changed our country go ahead Tony. Well, and i'm just thinking again of the financial side here and which again what a terrible thing to say on that but i mean just the rule changes the things that have come about i mean again some people don't even know this that's where i was starting with i mean just this generation that's come about since 2000 but to be able to walk someone to the gate at the airport to be able to open a bank account and not have to give up what seems like all your information in the world. I mean, we remember some of those things where you could just go to the airport, get the Sunday special or the Friday special. Where can I go this weekend? Just go to the ticket counter, buy your ticket, walk right up and go. That kind of thing just seems so unreasonable now because of the security lines and the overhead, et cetera. Right. Even greeting somebody at the airport. Right. I used to right, walk right else? into the gate and say, yeah. hey, hey, here you are. Nice. Give them a hug and welcome. And now it's, it's you know, stay in your car and don't park your car. Right. right. Keep it moving. So we think about yeah. that. And I'll keep going. But the similarities, though, of let's regulate the financial system to the point that we know where money is. And now we're in this era where cryptocurrencies come about more and more, and it's kind of creeping into some of the same stuff where we've already seen it used nefariously. People will say that's not the whole purpose of it, but that's what nefarious actors want to be paid in. So, I mean, the idea that we may need to update our rules, update what we look at, because it has been 20 years since the Patriot Act first came through. And for us in the financial world, that changed a lot. Sure I know, did. John, we had to appoint compliance officers. We had to do a few things through, uh, and some of that was Enron-related, but there was a lot going on at that time that hasn't been touched on since. That's right. The uh, You mentioned with the uh, financial services industry, right? Just like you said, opening bank accounts. Now they want to know your employer, your income, your net worth. There's there, It's very invasive. They want for, more and more and more. Yeah, want every year, every month, it seems, they want more information on where will this money come from. So, like you said, our privacy has slowly been bleeding, going dying since that, since that day 20 years ago. Right, and I remember those at the time who brought it up, and I think I know I was one who said, 
if you don't have anything to hide, I don't have to worry about it. And, and here we and here that we are. Tony. Here right, we right, are. Right. Oh, I was fired up. And John was that. saying, "What are you thinking? What are right, you, right, why exactly, are you going there?" Exactly. And here we are. Yeah. And that's some of what we talk about with this future stuff too. But I mean, what a momentous day to think about. And I mean, twenty years ago. Yeah. And John, I, I'll never forget. I we were we were having that weekend. We were having dinner, and I said to you, "You're in D.C.," and I said. You know, it's nice to see the country unified and even our politicians. And I, theor- you know, I rhetorically said, well, how long is that going to last? <laughs> I don't even want to remember what your answer was, but I don't think it was that long. <laughs> it was two days. <laughs> yeah, two days before it got back to politics. But yeah, yeah 20 years ago definitely shifted our country's uh, course um, on, on policy and, and even behavior. A very, very interesting moment in time. So uh, today's show, uh, we're going to talk about Warren Buffett's 10 rules. And when I say the name Warren Buffett, John, what comes to mind? He said, it reminds me of a, of a uh, investor who recognizes that investing really is simple and it's actually boring when you do it right. There you go. And it's always long term. Okay. Tony? Can I take John's answer? Yeah, no. Give me me something else. The man who loves Coke and the man who's very, again, goes to the same steakhouse, drives the same kind of car, same wife, same family. I mean, the stable life, that's that's doing it right. That's what I think of. And and for me, those are both on my list. And for me, one that stands out is, you know, be fearful when others are being greedy and be greedy when others are being fearful. And that's really a nice contrarian way to... Uh, finance. So we're going to dig into it in the next uh, segment. We're going to talk about Warren Buffett's 10 rules and how it applies even to managing to be wealthy. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's topic is is Warren Buffett's 10 rules, and Warren Buffett's is probably known as being one of the best investors. Uh, in the history of our country, right? He's been doing it now, I guess, 60 years almost, or probably even longer than that, um, and has a good track record, right? Longevity, long-term track record. Uh, and he doesn't, he, isn't he the one who always jokes that says, you know, just put the money in the S&P 500 and see how that performs versus the active money managers? He does. He promotes that, yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, a, he's a marathon runner when it comes to investing. <laughs> so rule number one for Warren Buffett, is reinvest your profits. And he uses the example of when he was getting started early on in, in life, he and his buddy bought a pinball machine, put it in a barbershop, they made money. And what they did with that money was not spend it. They bought another pinball machine. And then the next thing you know, they had, a, uh, I guess, a handful of pinball machines and was make, making more money. But the, the point is, is when you get those profits, don't, don't spend it. Try to invest it and save it. And John, I know that applies to a lot of things you've taught over the years. Right. I used to talk about uh, your children's children, compound interest. And so as you made profit, you don't spend it, you reinvest it. And uh, most people, when they make a profit, they want to spend it. It's like they've newfound cash and it's not. Mm -hmm. I think the good example is the IRS refunds. 
by people to get the IRS refund. Well, they do happen from time to time, John. And a lot of people think of it as a vacation fund, oh, I see. right? Versus versus investing. It. Go he ahead, also Tony. doesn't know what those are, so <laughs> right, right, we'll, right. we won't hold him to that. You but guys no. are being clever. I'm gone. Whoa. <laughs> should be so much more boring. <laughs> yes, it will be boring. Uh, as we're back to the finance, though. The idea of investing, I mean, compounding interest that's what we're talking about when you earn money to roll that back in and grow an even bigger body you're going to make more mm -hmm. if you're rolling it the right way but if they had sold those pinball machines and if instead of buying businesses and software companies he went out and bought a really nice boat i don't think we'd know his name right now that's a good point i yep. mean he might have done enough or done something to get by but <clears throat> when you cap it out and you buy a depreciating asset and you're not rolling it back into appreciating assets, that kind of stops the chain. Sure does. Yeah. Okay. It was right. amazing he had that insight at that young age. Right. But that yeah. was great. Yeah. All right, John, point number two. I know this is probably the most important point that, uh, that identifies with you. Be willing to be different. Oh, not me. Huh? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And and the example he, he used is basically when he started out, uh, started managing money in 1956. Um, he worked in Omaha, not Wall Street, right? And and he basically, he just, he did things a different, his own, marched to his own tune. Right. And I know, John, that's something you've always uh, liked to do yourself. Yes, it is. And it's even, it reminds me of one of our, I first moved to Columbus and I get these calls from the financial writers, and one of their first questions was, why are you in Columbus, Ohio? In other words, they expected I should have been in New York or Boston or something of that nature, but I was different. This was the best place to be. It still is, and Columbus is a very fruitful place for family and for business. Tony? Well, thinking about being different here and back to Warren Buffett a little bit, I mean, the idea of going against the grain. I mean, not just going and being a little contrarian and being wise enough to say, you know what, if everyone's going that way, maybe I don't need to go that way or I don't need to go that way so quick. And that's a very important point. And, I, you know, it reminds me of something else I was thinking of here that he's famous for. And it's the idea that stocks are the only thing people don't want to buy on sale. Right. And when you think about this, this be willing to be different, that screamed to me, you know, when things collapsed numerous times in history to be able to swoop in and have the lens of history you'd go oh my gosh i wish i had bought after the great depression i wish i had bought after the tuck bubble collapsed i wish i bought in march when coronavirus happened i mean these are things that if you had the hindsight you were different but at the time you people would have thought you were crazy yeah well, fundamentally we're we're always different because we were, were founded on the concept of fee for service no commissions Mm -hmm. And so that was such a weird concept in the beginning. You can't believe how many arrows I had coming at me at the time. Right. And people would accuse us of taking commissions when we were not because it was so contrary to position. But that to me is a real solid stone in our building. Sure. No doubt about it. You, no, you, you had me think about this for a long time, John, so I'm going <laughs> to share it. I mean, it's like the idea, though, of when you go to the auto mechanic, do you get billed a percentage of what your car is worth? No, you, you get billed for the services. You get billed for what's going on. And the idea that when there's something going on that may not be related to the total value of the car, well, then you want them to talk about it. So if that service is non-related to the value of the car, why just look at the value of the car? And I, I know I'm going into analogy world here, but this is the idea of being holistic, looking at everything, not just 
going along with everybody else thinking about investments. Oh, you don't think that the AUM method does that, Tony? Oh, it does that. It, it definitely <laughs> does. John, right. it incentivizes to look at just assets under management. That's exactly what it says, assets yep. under management. And the goal is to harbor those and gather those assets. Uh, one little tidbit, he, in 1956, he, uh, Warren Buffett got a group of investors together with $100,000, and 14 years later, $100 million. Not a bad re return. That was Good in return. 1956. 1956. Yeah. Yeah, yeah think about the selection of investments there. Very slim. So, all right, the point number three, never suck your thumb, right? Uh, gather information in advance to make your decision. Ask friends or families or relatives to make sure you stick to your deadline. That's a very important when it comes to finance. Uh, any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Most people aren't uh, strict in their... Uh, I'll say discipline. Mm -hmm. Investing does take discipline. And so you set that you're going to fund your IRA and you do, or you're going to save X number of dollars a year outside of that. And you do. So whatever the goals are, just like him buying that little machine, I'm not sure he had the cash to buy the game machine right at the beginning. He probably had to save up for it. Mm -hmm. The one, the one analogy I like to use is from time to time, I'll talk to somebody and they, they want to buy an individual stock, which we're against but they want to do it. Okay, let's go ahead. And I ask them, okay, when do you want to sell it? What's your price? And they'll, okay. And I document the price and <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I don't think to date anyone has sold it when At it that hit that price, price. Nope, exactly. right? Because it's like, it's going to keep going. It's going to, and it might, it might keep going. But the point is, is that everything you, what you went in with, you change as it, as it evolves. So I think that's a very psychological, uh, perspective internet interesting psychological perspective when it comes to investing tony well and i don't know if you guys agree or not sometimes i don't know if i do but <laughs> I, I i know it more has been lost to hesitation than wrong decision i mean if you're just dilly dallying taking your time sucking your thumb as warren buffett would say that might be worse than just going ahead and doing something yeah. having a plan and making maybe a wrong decision but not having the indecision and that's what we're saying, too, of if you know what's going on in advance, when that thing just pops up, when that opportunity comes up, you know how to take advantage of it because you've been planning for it. And that's what's frightening about all these programs that are being pitched right now on radio and television about buying stocks and when to do this and that. And that's got to be a problem. It is. And and even with the the frenzy that is the cryptocurrency world too right there's a lot of speculation there people are just just throwing money around there's really no strategy behind it which is a little frightening uh so again so when we come back from the from the break we're going to continue with warren buffett's 10 rules the first three were reinvest your profits be willing to be different which is john's mantra <laughs> and then the third one was never suck your thumb so be deliberate in your attack and your plan so uh, when we come back, we'll continue with these 10 points. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne and John Sestina. Today's topic is Warren Buffett's 10 rules. Before we continue that conversation... If you'd like to learn a little bit more about managing to be wealthy and the managing to be wealthy process, you can visit the website at managingtobewealthy.com or give us a call at our Bethel Road office, 614-326-3077.
So, John, talking a little bit about Mr. Warren Buffett, one of the great investors of our time. Um, rule number four, I thought, is it's it's pretty clear, right? And his rule number four is spell out the deal before you start. Yep. Know what you're getting into. Know know how you're being compensated. The uh, example he used was him and his buddy uh, needed help, or we're going to help his grandfather shovel out from a blizzard. And they worked their worked their hands to frozen hands. They couldn't bend their fingers anymore. And when they were finally done shoveling, the grandfather gave them ninety cents to split. Right. Right. We can laugh. Ninety cents, maybe a little bit more back then than it seems today. Oh, you overpaid uh, them. That's all right. <laughs> that wasn't their takeaway. Right. That was not his <laughs> opinion of that. So, how do you uh, look at you know spell out the deal before you start? Well, you know, when you're, for example, uh, in a new relationship. So you meet a girl, you're all excited, and you're in this new relationship. That's when everything is smoothest, exciting, et cetera, et cetera. And so as the relationship goes on, you may begin to slip into taking each other for advantage. Same thing here. So you want to deal at the beginning when the relationship is fresh and you are most needed or most appreciated. Tony? No, that makes sense. I mean, I, it's so funny, John. You and I thought about this the same but in different ways. To me, the first thing that came to mind, it was like a prenuptial agreement. Oh, it's the same go. thing with business partners or when you go to a job. I mean, the idea of laying out things while times are good. It's not that you're expecting to part or you're going into it half-footed. I mean, these are things people may say, but that's just it. Those are things people say. The idea is you want to plan. And if you plan ahead while times are good, whether it's the job the business, the relationship, you're going to have a lot more stability, a lot more control, a lot more, I guess, peace of mind as you go through it. Right. And as you said that, a thing that popped into my head is the estate plan, right? We always say, do it when times are good, yeah. right? That's that's the ultimate plan it out. You're planning for your demise, right? No one wants to think of it or talk about it, but do it in advance and, and that'll be make things easier uh, as you plan out your, your finances through your lifetime. And, and a public story we can share related to this exact point. They're going through it right now. It was in the AP. It's the South Carolina Attorney General fighting, it seems, or having issues with her stepmother. And the stepmother's taking care of the 87-year-old, I believe, father, trying to run the business. It's a hunting lodge. Hmm. The insurance lapsed on the hunting lodge. And the attorney general is going through saying, we can't run this business. We've got to have some control. And they are in a very messy, very public dispute of family and all the things that come along with that, where it's the he said, she said, and a lot of old stories from years ago, because what wasn't laid out? All the estate plans. Everything yeah. you're saying, Stephen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more, more an done. issue with family than anything else. I talked to a friend today about $40 million dollars worth of real estate and businesses and so forth. And the family has been fighting for the last 10 years over this because there's the, uh, the person running it. They're not happy with, they can't get rid of him because no provision was made. So all that has to be pre-decided while you're all clear headed. Yep. All good points. And one last one though, for anyone Please. who has the Netflix out there to watch the Bob Ross story. Very interesting because our beloved painter ran into similar issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you, spoil anything there you go. That. No spoilers. All right, good. So next one, number five, watch small expenses. Amen. That applies to everyone's financial plans. It's, John, you call it leakage. Yep, that's leakage, and that's that's so easy 
uh, start with that profit. When you make profit and you reinvest it, that that's not leakage. But you take some of that profit and spend it, that's leakage. Yeah. And people do that all the time. They get money coming in. I mean, Tony said there's something called refunds from the government. I don't know what those are. But they happen. They're they refunds, happen. tax refunds. And when you get those things, that that's where you're going to build some wealth is managing the drips and the drabs, you know. Same way when you put nickels in the piggy bank. That's exactly it. When when we think about the small expenses, too, it goes back to point one. It's not about the amount of money you're saving right then, right now, today. Right. It's what could that grow into, that compound interest? What happens if it's a repeat behavior? I mean, if every Tuesday at 4 you're going out and doing something that's 200 bucks, and you cut that out and flip it around, it's not just that one 200 you're saving. It's the 200 each week then compounded with interest, then growing on top of that. I mean, that's what we're talking about with these watch the small expenses. Yeah. And and the classic, you know, leakage we've seen talk about the last 20 years is the the, the coffee shops. Right? You brew a cup of coffee at home versus going paying at one of the whatever. I'm not going to single out any particular coffee shop. That's a <laughs> that's a hefty cost differential, you know, 6 or 7 dollars, uh, right? 6 or 7? Right. Oh, you can tell that I've not bought R- one right? in a while. Right. And 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 <laughs> To me, it's like, yes, they, they do have to pay rent. They have the overhead expenses. I get that part of it and why they have to charge $6, but I'm thinking about the consumer side, right? Do you need to, to spend that kind of money? So very, very important. Watch the small expenses. It's all about marketing. Yep. Next one, John, number six, another one that pertains to managing to be wealthy is limit what you borrow. <laughs> go ahead. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my saying, when you go to buy something, no matter what it is, Dinner, suit, a car, a house, whatever it is, if you don't have the cash to pay for it, you cannot afford it. So the minute you put yourself in a, in a liability situation, someone else is controlling your life. If your job situation changes, you may not be able to move because you have a mortgage you have to keep paying. And uh, that will affect what you do. It'll affect your lifestyle now and, quite frankly, forever. If you figure out the interest you're paying, it's going to be a situation. Yeah. And this applies in high finance, everyday finance, family finance. I mean, the idea of limiting what you borrow is sometimes not always true. But that comes down to real financial professionals knowing what they're doing, using leverage effectively. Warren Buffett's saying he's not even doing that. But there are those out there where they may say, look, it does make sense for me to borrow against this because I have so much and I strategically know what I'm doing. And maybe some of that interest is deductible. If you're not one of those people and you don't understand what we're talking about, then don't think of borrowing as a positive. And that was a bigger, easier deal many years ago because all interest used to be deductible. Your credit card interest, any interest you paid. And so there were ways you could borrow money and invest and get ahead. And I saw one guy who had a program on it, and it was quite exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see that, again, these supposedly leaks that I hate so much because no one should have their personal financial details out there. But the idea of the loopholes that the billionaires use, I'm holding my air quotes (laughs) up, what a joke. What they're talking about, people, is the same thing you do with your home equity loan. When you open a home equity loan and you tap the equity in your home, that's not taxable. If you want to take out 100000 from your house, it's your money. You're just transferring it from equity in the house to yours. It's not income. So when a billionaire, quote unquote, uses the loophole to borrow against their stock portfolio, which might be several billion dollars, 
Is that income? No, not according no. to the rules. Right. Now that someone figured out that that's a case, now they want to change it. And that's frustrating You sometimes. have to stop writing those books, Tony. I know. we got to quit telling our secrets sometimes. <laughs> my, my frustration is when you go on to a mortgage site or a refinance site and they tell you how much house you can afford. Right. How do they know? <laughs> that is such garbage. They don't know how much house you can afford. They don't know what your other commitments are right. and they, how much money you borrow. They borrowed. know how much mortgage you can afford to pay them. Yes, that's, exactly. that's their <laughs> interest. So be very careful and, and be very weary of when you see something like that. Um, I'm skeptical and it, it sort of bothers me. Well, we're coming up on another break here and we, we'll finish up the 10 rules of Warren Buffett. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're talking about the 10 rules of Warren Buffett. Uh, if you'd like to maybe listen to the show in its entirety, you can hear us on iTunes or just tell your Alexa managing to be wealthy. Play it, uh, the podcast. So number seven, John, we're talking about r- rule number seven is be persistent. What's he talking about there? I've never been that, you know, Stephen. <laughs> right? Now, if you, if, if you want this, this is hard to teach, but it's so critical in actually all aspects of life. But uh, you, being persistent means you keep going until you can't go anymore. Look at the Rocky movies, for example. That gives you an exist, uh, example of his persistence. Even when he didn't win, he was still persistent. Eventually, came out all right for him. He's a good guy, Rocky. You like him? Yeah, he's not bad. Philly guy. Oh, well, jeez. <laughs> he's not from Columbus. <laughs> Tony, what, what, when it comes to persistency... I'm persistent in my reading, and I can't help but let this one go. Uh, Mr. Stallone, your Rocky character, has sold all property, it seems, in California, in Beverly Hills, the place he's lived, made a business for the last 40 years, and he's packed up and moved to Florida. Okay. So when we talk about be persistent, I mean, again, he is a constant business owner. He is doing productions, movies all the time. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but he's responsible for $8 billion of grossing movies when you think about Rocky. Rambo, The Expendables, all the other movies in between. I mean, yeah, you're over like, the top. Billions, <laughs> billions. Those so high, for someone highbrow shows, yeah, that I watch. For, stuff. for someone with an estate of that size and those kinds of royalties, the idea of be persistent. Well, I always want to get a little bit more. I want a little bit more efficiency. If this is going to drag me down here and I have these four kids and I want them to get a little something and this is a prohibitive environment, I'm going to keep pushing. pushing. I'm going to keep moving. Just having this basically, hey, it's status quo. This is where I've lived. Let me just give up here and give up half of everything. No. That's, again, I couldn't help it, but that's what I thought of. All right, good. All right, point number eight. We've got... uh... Three more to go here. Point number eight, know when to quit. Uh, his analogy is the racetrack, right? Uh, the, 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 pers- the persistent gambler, right? The gamblers <laughs> out there, they're always doubling down, right? And you got that's a very, very risky proposition where you, you've won. Now you double down and then you lose. It's all gone. Um, you got to be very careful in those situations. Is that like going to Vegas? Sort of, yes. <laughs> Remember, and this is math, when you lose 100%, you have to make two hundred percent to get it back. You need and something, to get it. and that's just to get it. That's just to get. The you have numbers. to have a. You have to have something to get back too, though. <laughs> if you lose it all, well, it's all gone. 
Well, you, well, you point, see that with the, the 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 penny stock investors. Oh, I'll yeah. say the twenty year olds out of college, they're going to make a lot of money on these small stocks, and they have a thousand dollars. That thousand dollars they turn into two thousand. Great, they invest the next stock, two thousand dollars. That goes to eight thousand dollars. Then it goes to twenty, and they keep going with one stock, and you miss one time, it's all gone. And that's that's where I get cautious of it is just people constantly doubling down, and then you lose the whole thing eventually. John, any thoughts on the no one to quit? Well, there is a time when your your brain should kick in and you realize what I'm doing is futile or you run into someone whose wisdom you, you will listen to and they advise you that what you're doing is wasting time or money or both and you take advantage of that. Yeah. You don't run a car until it dies. You want to get it to the garage and fix it while it squeaks. Good point. All right, good. We'll go to, we'll go to number nine. Number nine, I like because that's constantly a lot of what we do. Uh, a lot of these are what we do, but this one is assess the risks. And I, I'm more concerned always about the hidden risks, right? You can always see the obvious ones, but what's out there that we're not seeing, what's not in front of you that I'm always concerned about? Tony, what do you think about with assessing risks? Too much to describe right now. I mean, when you think about it, there's all kinds of implications with almost any decision and to take a minute take a deep breath, wait for that email or wait for that response to your spouse or wait for whatever it is. And to just take a minute and pause and think about what you're going to say. Think about what your options are and apply that strategically to your business or to financial planning. That That's what I think of with this assess the risk. Yeah, that kind of goes with the thumbs, keep your thumb out of your mouth or whatever he said. This kind of goes with that. Okay. You know, you're going to do some homework and make a decision, not just sit on it all the time and be devoured by a by apathy. Yeah. Like I thought last week with those heavy rains and flooding throughout the East Coast, right, up the I-95 corridor, how many how many people were planning to sell their home? I'll get to it or I'll do it eventually and, and I'll just let the market keep going up. Now they may have a flooded basement, yep. right? That's tragic, right? That derails a lot of plans. <clears throat> so, you know, a lot of the times when you're looking at a private deal or looking at some kind of investment or, or something out there, Try to find as many things possible. What could possibly go wrong? Because it's usually not in front of you. Very risky. Yep. Columbus looks better and better, doesn't it? Sure does. <laughs> sure does. So that was that was a lot of rain. Um, last one, number 10, uh, wrapping up here, the 10 uh, rules of Warren Buffett is know what success really means. John, that's what managing to be wealthy is all about, right? Yep. And we, we say it in one word, what's enough? What's enough? What's enough? One phrase. Two words. Yeah, one, one phrase, phrase, two words. What's enough? And in having enough about what your goals are, be satisfied. I mean, look where we are as individuals in our lives, and we have lots to be happy about. You know, our health or whatever's going on in our lives, our spouses, our children, our dogs, or whatever. So we can we can be happy about what's going on. So just just know what life really means. Make sure you maintain your physical health, your spiritual health, and your relationship health. You have to work on a good marriage, for example. And so there's a lot of that that's, that's important, but it all adds up to real success. Tony? I'll say it. I, I think the only time I, I really get emotional is around people we work with is on the big events. I mean, it's not about the numbers. It's not about, hey, you did this or did that or the growth or whatever. It's when you get privileged enough to have been invited to a wedding or so or when you get invited to the bar mitzvah and you see the family and you're able to talk to people and you see that 
you know, behind the scenes, behind all this financial talk, here's what we're able to do with it. Here's the peace of mind of being able to get the family together. Here's the peace of mind of being able to pass on, not money, but lessons and values to the next generation. And if you give them a leg up along the way, that's great too. But that to me is knowing what success really means is just, you know, what is it that gives us the most joy? It's when families are happy and when they can do what they want. And if you're doing well with this financial stuff, that usually happens. You reminded me, I was at a wedding over the weekend and three people yeah. that I did not know who they were came up to me and said, you know, many years ago, and it had to be many years ago, I heard you lecture at a YMCA and I did what you said. And two, and they're all, all three of them were now elderly and retired and enjoying life and were happy. That's for me, that's real success. Yeah, what, yeah. A, what a feeling it is! It is, and and you know Warren Buffett, his pledge is to give most of, most of his wealth to charity, which is again very admirable, uh, helping others. Uh, and again, success is not necessarily about uh, fame and fortune, right? But it is that peace of mind aspect. So, um, any other thoughts with success or Warren Buffett here? Got a minute left here. Well, remember, too, though, he's one of the best at what he's doing, and there's a lot of people out there in the world who are the best at what they're doing, but he happens to be one of the wealthiest because of what he does, investing. It's not about being the top basketball player, the top entertainer, the top surgeon even. No, it's by being the top investor that we're talking about this and this kind of worth. So keep investing. Keep trying to stay ahead there. Yeah. What time is he coming for dinner? I don't know. <laughs> Good, good question here. So, so again, hopefully it was a insight on Warren Buffett's concepts, philosophies on how to be successful in life. And uh, that's what managing to be wealthy is all about is finding that balance. And John, as you said, the what's enough and that peace of mind aspect. So we thank all the listeners for tuning in and hopefully you'll tune in next week. You've been listening to managing to be wealthy on news radio, 610 WTVN.